Finally back on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Of course, if you are unaware, we are your brand new home of the Chicago Bears, the Bears Radio Network, and it is a great opportunity for us, Brian, to bring in the longtime voice of the Bears, and it is great, great news that he will be on the call with his good buddy, Tom Thayer, Right here on ESPN 1000 going forward. Jeff Joniak joins us here on ESPN 1000. And uh, Jeff, just want to say officially on the air from Brian and me, welcome to the team. We're so excited to have you on the Bears Radio Network. I know you've already been on several shows, but uh, I just want to say welcome to the team. Can't wait to hear you on the call for all of the Bears action here on ESPN 1000. And uh, just want to say super excited to have you in. I really appreciate that. It's been a warm welcome from everybody at uh, ESPN 1000, a good karma brand. So good to talk to you again, Brian. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's have some fun. Let's, uh, let's score some touchdowns and win some games here in 2023 and beyond. And, look, it, this is such a big day for the Bears franchise come Thursday night. And everything's worked out well. God bless uh, Lovey and the Texans. Uh, <laughs> make sure that they, they had the pit number one pick. And Ryan Poles made his decision. If you're sitting in that draft room, uh, we just heard Tom Thayer advocating no offensive line for him. It's all about the defense. Uh, what's your take, Jeff? Well, I've uh, maintained and I will continue to maintain right up until I'm uh, forced to be on the clock to focus tunnel vision on the line of scrimmage. So I don't care if either side of the ball. <laughs> I just hope uh, uh, three out of the first four picks are going to be guys on the line of scrimmage. So whatever you want to do, mix and match. You know, I, I brought this up many times, the left tackle position, while Braxton Jones had a uh, incredible start to his career as a fifth-round pick and no idea this was going to happen, took every snap during the season. Uh, what you look at in Bears' history of left tackles, you start in 1983 with Jimbo Colvert, who had a Hall of Fame career, and then after that, it's free agency. It's uh, guys that are undrafted trying to nail down that left tackle spot. You can go down the list from uh, Troy Ozine to uh, Andy Heck was an outstanding left tackle, still coaching the league. Blake Brockemeyer, just talked to him the other day, believe it or not. Uh, Mike Gandy, Kasim Mitchell, John Tate, a free agent. John St. Clair, the starting left tackle in 2008. Orlando Pace, Frank Omiel, German Bushrod. (laughs) Charles Leno Jr. almost flamed out as a right tackle for the Bears. He did not have a good work ethic. They flipped him over as a last attempt to save his career at left tackle, and he was the most solid starter the Bears have had that they actually drafted not intended to be a left tackle since Jimbo Covert. So it's an exhaustive search. And so if you find a left tackle that you really believe in, and you know maybe it is going to be Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern, the local product, uh, by every account, I know everybody's banging on his short arms, <laughs> which will, if you want to clearly agitate my friend Tom Thayer, just talk <laughs> about arm length any way, shape, or form. But you know, you're talking about a guy that could be a key figure in the locker room from a leadership standpoint he's got that in him in addition to being a very good football player so who knows what they'll do i like to leave it like christmas morning guys and can't wait to see what happens when the presents are opened up all right jeff so uh we'll uh leave the gifts wrapped then here for a moment uh i'm curious though so with uh all the what was your thought on how free agency played out because we saw some at least on the first day some rumors that the bears were very interested in mike mcglinchy but he of course chose denver they made a lot of good moves i like the signing of nate davis but it does seem like tackle whether it be right or left depending on how you feel about braxton jones's long-term future um how did you feel about how ryan poles did in that uh first wave of free agency 
Loved it, and as uh, we get to know each other, you'll know that I can't stand free agency. So mm-hmm. I think you know you're you're paying you're you're overpaying for whatever, and you would have overpaid for Mike McGlinchey. Um, teams are going to do it. That's the way free agency is built. But I'd rather be a draft driven team. So I felt, in my opinion, that Ryan Poles did exactly what he said he was going to do. He was not going to go crazy with the money. He was going to find value, and he was going to be really particular about what he wants and that's a specific kind of bear a guy who fits whatever culture they've developed over there and uh find pieces to the puzzle and you you get the big pieces in the draft and that's why he wants so many draft picks that's why he made that trade from number one that's why he's trying to stockpile for the future always looking ahead some of the best organizations are always looking a little bit down the road as well and so this is how he dreamt it up he was going to tear it down to the bare wire one way or another and build it back up and do it the right way. Jeff Joniak joining us here on ESPN 1000. Jeff, you said something that really interests me because you said Ryan Poles did exactly the way he said he was going to do it. He has talked, and I'm just curious, have you been a little surprised by how transparent and open Ryan Poles has been publicly, not just internally, but like, you know, whether it be Peter King, you know, giving conversations with him or Albert Breer, he's been very open and everything he said seems to have come true. Yeah, he is very transparent. He's, he's always talking about it. He's not going to sit there. I mean, it is the lying season, so let's not <laughs> kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is what happens, but he's not going to take you down paths that uh, are ultimately going to wind somewhere else. I appreciate that. You know, and I think, and, and I've been asked this before if I'm shocked by it. I think we, as a community of Bears fans, and uh, have, have gone through so many changes, the Bears were in the spotlight this offseason like no other so they had the number one pick the most cap space and they were the attention grabber at the combine they were getting all the national interviews that that has rarely happened in my time Hmm. so this has been a very different type of offseason even i went to the nfl owners meetings and seeing all the different uh, people coming up to ryan poles and kevin warren and from a national point of view, I said it. The Bear, I keep saying this. I, I keep talking about poised to make some noise. The Bears are poised to make some noise, and uh, whether that happens in a big, big 23, 23 season or it's going to take a couple years, I think the way he's approaching it and uh, explaining to people what he wants to be is okay. I'm no. I have no problem with it. Jeff, I'm glad you made the point on the left tackle and Braxton's a terrific story, and the guy works his ass off and and. He, he certainly you, you have a home for him here somewhere, but if you yep. can't upgrade there, then you're not trying. And terrific story, not I think you need more help on that side protecting your franchise quarterback. That said, if you're Ryan Poles right now and you trust your scouting staff, is it simply a decision of keeping number nine or moving down, or you know even is there a scenario where they move up? What what do you most likely? What do you do? Are you keeping the number nine and finding impact, or are you moving down and trying to get as much as many assets as possible? I think anything is on the table. I don't see a move back into the top ten. I, I don't I don't picture that because that would be kind of counterintuitive based on the, the idea of gathering as many draft assets as possible. But hey. Anything is possible. We've seen that happen many times. But, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's, it's not entirely out of, the, out of the realm of possibility that they would move out of number nine if there's, if there's something tantalizing and they still have a pocket of guys because that's how it is. You have four or five guys you know you can live with no matter where they fall. I'm sure everybody's got their heart set on somebody in that draft room and hope they get them. Uh, but you've got you to have a range of players that are graded 
fairly equally to feel comfortable about making any kind of move. Jeff Joniak joining us here on ESPN 1000. So, Jeff, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. You said as long as the Bears' three of their first four picks are on the line, you're happy, right? That that would be that would be something. I I, I started the off season that way. Jeff. Mm-hmm. I got to continue that way. No worries. I don't want to sound wishy washy, but it. I am. Yeah. I'm hoping that at least three of the first four. But at the same time, as I'm going through my draft prep for what is going to be a, a great uh, great weekend next weekend. I mean, the more you dig into guys, and then you pop their highlights on, and you see, and then you fall in love. Yes. I, I've fallen in love 55 million times already. And, it, you know, Darnell Wright of Tennessee, falling yeah. in love with mm. that guy right there. 6'5 and 3'8, 333. He's a bad man. Hmm. He is physical. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be your left tackle. He would be more of a right tackle, in my opinion. But, you know, that guy. Who, who doesn't love Bijan Robinson? That's where I was going, Are Jeff. You That's where I was going to ask you because, yes, because <laughs> under that scenario, you could still have three of the first four picks be linemen, mm-hmm. but that first one could theoretically be Bijan Robinson. So that's what I was going to ask you. Listen, we all know how the NFL has devalued the running back position, but I will also make the counterpoint that if you're drafting a running back who you think could be very special, you're not, necess- you're not paying him big money with that first contract. So that's where the value comes in. So lay it out for some Bijan Robinson. What's that? And you're helping your quarterback on top of it. Oh, yeah, in, in a big way. I, I, I don't see how that player, barring injury, will be a failure. I Just the, the, the pureness of his abilities and as a receiver, just opening up your offense even more. I mean, I just listened to an interview with him that he did uh, recently, and they said, hey, what, what was your, your favorite route? Well, I ran a, a 40-yard post pattern. I, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, great. <laughs> I mean, he's, he runs routes like McCaffrey and Kamara. I, he's a mismatch and an outstanding runner, but even a better dude. So, you know, again, that's if you're, if you're truly adding the very best talent, regardless of position, that's, that's what I believe in. I remember a long time ago when the Colts kind of got ripped uh, for drafting Dwight Freeney so high. Uh, Dwight Freeney became a Hall of Famer. He was a pass rusher in grade school, piling up sacks. He was the same in high school, did it in college, and did it in spades in the NFL. So a great player is a great player. No team can have enough great players. Now, they also need a cornerback. So that's another uh, position that I would be open to, certainly, uh, even high, even at the number nine pick, uh, believe it or not. Uh, that That is a player that they need as well to help balance out that secondary. I love that Bajan Robinson argument because, you know, some mock drafts have Philadelphia and saying, well, that's a luxury pick, and they have the luxury of doing it. But, yes, they do. Jeff, you know, you said if, if everyone's uh, devaluing the running back position, then zig when the other teams are zagging, and all you'd have to do is trust your scouting staff to know what they're looking at. And if he's in that pocket of players and he's there, maybe that's the guy. Well, you know, the thing is about any position, again, if you're stocked at one position, who cares? I mean, honestly, who cares? Now, this is a team that's 3-14, and 14, so I, I get the argument. But great players, if you foresee them as great players, they're multipliers. That, that term has become popular. They make everybody else better. I believe he helps both sides of the ball, for example. And uh, granted, the value starts to diminish as soon as you drive that Cadillac off the showroom floor in this case and five years from now you're gonna have to pay him but no one's gonna want to pay him you know it's happening now around the league Tony Pollard in Dallas getting rid of Zeke you know they you know what's gonna happen in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook and they take on some wear and tear so I I, those arguments I, I totally understand 
Uh, but at the same time, I just want great players on my football team. I'm with you completely there, Jeff. Uh, a lot of Bears fans, you know, and this is probably before the Panther, the trade with the Panthers, and they actually added DJ Moore. But some Bears fans still would like to see them add Jackson Smith and Jigba, if at all possible. What are your thoughts about the idea of the Bears adding a guy who Justin Fields actually knows fairly well? Yeah, I, I, I get that connection. Uh, however, uh, I don't see... I'm not enthralled with the top-end talent or uh, of the wide receiver group this year. Nobody's like making me feel, God, I have to have that guy. He is going to be an outstanding receiver. There's no question about it. Uh, coming off an injury, though, and I'm very hesitant. I know he's healthy now, but I'm always hesitant about taking on guys that uh, had some sort of ailment. Uh, I guess I'm... St- Stung by the David Terrell when they knew they had a, a fracture in there, and if he was going to walk off a curb, he was going to be out. Uh, that happened, and he got hurt in a game, and that was the end of David Terrell, pretty much. Um, there's many examples. Remember when the Lions drafted year after year first round <laughs> receivers that never worked out? Uh, I, I I'm nervous about that. I'd rather find the the best possible fit for the offense that I want to run. At any round in this draft, because the receiver list is long. There are so many receivers of all shapes and sizes and speeds, so I would hold off on that. If, if that That's my guess at number nine. Jeff, uh, we appreciate it. Obviously, as, as you heard, he's a walking Bears encyclopedia. As we heard all those uh, classic names, this walk down Bears memory lane, it was a, uh, a great hit. Jeff, we appreciate it. We'll be hearing from you lots this week. I know I know you'll be joining Waddle and Sylvie as well on draft night. So uh, we'll uh, be listening for you here on ESPN 1000. Yes, it'll be fun. And uh, draft day, I know Bears fans and all NFL fans love it. It's an entire season into itself, and uh, we're getting knee deep in it. So having fun. Great Thanks, stuff. guys. Have great, great catching Sunday. up. Thanks, Thank Jeff. You. Jeff Joniak there on the uh, CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. Again, you'll be hearing lots of him. He is the voice of the Bears here on the Bears Radio Network, ESPN 1000. All right, we've got some, uh, I guess, some movement regarding the potential trade between the Packers and Jets, or at least a potential soft, quote, deadline. We'll tell you about it next here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. ESPN 1000 here till 11 o'clock. Just had a nice conversation with Jeff Joniak. He joined us on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline, breaking down what he would like to see from the Bears on draft nights. We're talking with you, 312-332-3776. If you'd like to tell us what you're hoping the Bears do, or maybe what you're hoping they don't do, we're interested in both those conversations with you on ESPN 1000. Jeff's got me falling in love with Robinson, and maybe you're already there. I mean, I I, I kind of dismissed that idea, um, but I, you can make I, that argument. I'm, I'm willing to listen now. The one thing, you know, the one thing Jeff said is like, you know, ultimately it's about accumulating good players on the roster. And when I look at where the Bears are at, there's so many. There's such a need for just just a blue chip caliber player, right? And I think when you look at the players in this draft, you feel pretty comfortable saying that Bijan Robinson, he's a guy who, if he can avoid injury, you know, he's going to be a really good player in the NFL. That, but what I just said, of course, the position, the running back position, is so susceptible to injury because they're taking on more hits than any player on the field. 
And they're taking them on usually at an angle where it's violent, right? You've got those, sure. you know, guys rushing from all angles and getting hit in the knee. And so that's the concern. That's why I think that more than anything else, that's why you don't necessarily want to invest in that. Is he really back. running 40-yard pass patterns? I mean, if he, if, that, if that's a thing. Well, he, he, he lined up in the slot his freshman year at Texas quite a bit. So because, you know, they were looking yeah. for ways to get him on the field. So he's, an, he's a, you know, I know, you know, everyone wants, everyone said Saquon Barkley. I've seen people, though, if you want to go back, like Marshall Falk, he's got the ability as a receiver out of the backfield to be, as Jeff talked about, just, just a playmaker. So That works for me. So, yeah, so, like, I could, I see the argument That's not the safe it. pick, obviously. I mean, it's a safe pick because he, he's a stud talent. Yeah. But most people don't have the Bears going running back. So if Ryan Poles... I mean, it, it, he doesn't seem to lack for confidence. So if that's who he and his staff believe is the best guy at the at number nine. You know, then then good luck. And I, you know, the one thing too is that when you're drafting a running back, now you're getting, you know, especially if you take him in the first round, you've got him for the four years and then the fifth year option. So those that's a, that's an affordable price to have that running back as well. So I get it. You can find running backs later in the draft. You can oftentimes plug guys in, but. If you have a guy who's a true game changer as well, and again, we've talked about the Bears just need some weapons for Justin Fields. So I, I, can, I wouldn't be disappointed if they took him. It wouldn't be my selection necessarily, but I, I could talk myself into being excited about the possibility. Yeah, I'm still on the uh, Paris Johnson bandwagon, but um, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to, to suggestions at this point. And you know, yesterday I, I was having a, a couple beers with a, a couple former producers, uh, Dennis Gambino and Adam Harris, up. Uh, around Wrigleyville, where mm-hmm. you're going to be on draft night? I will be. I'll, I'll, I will be. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a moment. Go ahead, though, Sheriff. And uh, we were solving all the sports world's problems, and uh, Aaron Rodgers' name came up. And it's uh-huh. like, hey, w- what's going on with that? Because, as he told Pat McAfee, his intention was to play for the Jets, but that's more than a month ago. Uh, it's been a while. We've been on hold here. <laughs> and I guess the only thing we can agree upon is he will not be QB1 uh, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Packers anymore, but... This Jets thing doesn't seem like it's slam dunk, whether his intention is to play for the Jets or not. And, and, you know, the owner came out and told them all the nice things they want to hear. But the fact of the matter is the Packers seemingly are still holding fast to wanting a first-round draft pick from the Jets. And the Jets are holding fast to the idea, no, try again. It's uh, We'll give you a second-round pick. So Adam Schefter uh, reported on Thursday that mm-hmm. his information is that this upcoming Friday, the second day of the draft, is the quote-unquote soft deadline for this deal to be consummated. Because likely the Packers would want 2023 draft capital. And if they finally came off their asking price and agreed to the Jets second round pick, mm-hmm. well, you have to get that deal done before the Jets utilize one or both. They have picks 42 and 43 overall in the second round. So you assume that that's the centerpiece of the deal um, or part of the deal anyway, that they would have to get that done. Adam Schefter is suggesting that's in fact the case. And okay. Who's blinking here? And, you know, the, the, there's talk out there that, well, the Packers could start making the phone calls that Drew Rosenhaus isn't making. They could call the 49ers or Tampa. or I can't imagine that Aaron Rodgers would want to go to Tennessee. And the argument that, well, he has to go wherever because he's being traded, well, that's not so. Mm. He can just say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm done. I'm hanging him up. Yeah. yeah. Or, or guess what? I'm sticking around, Green Bay, and you're paying me the $50 million bucks you owe me. Whatever. Yes. I mean, yeah. if you really want to make it messy... This is a staring contest, yeah. And ultimately, I think the I think the Packers have to blink because I don't think they can break. They, they're in a scenario where they need to see what Jordan Love is. Yeah, 
they've gone down this path now. They've kind of done everything they can to push Aaron Rodgers, you know, aside. And so, like you said, with the, with the contract he has, I don't think it's feasible for the Packers to realistically bring him back. So, I, but, they, I mean, the suggestion always been, well, he, you know, he wants to go back out west to California where he played college ball. Mm-hmm. So San Francisco could make some sense. Tampa, I don't know what his inclination is to go down there and follow Tom Brady's footsteps. Yeah, uh, Tennessee, I would just say I, he's probably got no interest in that, even though he played in a, in a smaller market, but certainly not a market with the history that Green Bay had. But, I mean, it, this deal we were just talking is like, when is this deal going to get done? And what does the North look like for the Bears, Lions, and Vikings? You, you have to still operate on the assumption that Jordan Love is now the man in Green Bay. And unless he's everything the Packers hope him to be, this division's open uh, for the next couple, two, three well, years, right? And um, it was, you know, Bear fan Bob, who uh, our caller earlier in the 9 o'clock hour mentioned, you know, everybody's sweetheart team, the Lions, had a little bit of a gambling fiasco. And we don't have the details on that exactly, but two guys are out for at least a year. It's suspended yeah, indefinitely. Yeah, because they were, um, and they were released. Uh, yeah. Quint, uh, Quintess Cephas and uh, uh, Moore, the safety, they were both Cut Friday. released. Yeah, they were released by the Lions because they were gambling on NFL games. Right. Uh, Jameson Williams and Barry Hill, who was like, I believe, a practice squad player for the Lions, two wide receivers. I re- most people know Jameson Williams. He was the you know uh, top ten pick by the Lions last year, who who was coming back from an ACL injury, so he didn't play much last year. But a lot of people thought he could be a real game breaker for him this year. He's going to miss the first six games because he was gambling in team facility in the team facility. This is the thing, uh, obviously, on a different sport. The thing that. I brought up with Waddle and Sylvie on Friday, Bri. It is asinine to me that the NFL has these rules in place where players are allowed to gamble on other sports, but, oh, just not in the team facility. Right. Because the truth is that it, it could be something as subtle as Jamison Williams could have pulled up in his car, parked in the parking lot, and I'm not saying this did happen, but it's possible he could his his he, on his phone using an app, whatever gambling app he likes to use to gamble on NBA or MLB or NHL or whatever he's gambling on, not NFL. It's possible he could have pulled into the parking lot. His phone, if he was close enough, could have could have joined the team Wi-Fi. Yep, and he could have made a wager on a basketball game theoretically, and then he's in the team facility. However, he also could have been in the parking lot, but on his phone on his network and made the same same wager and it technically would have not been in the team facility because it would have been on his phone but in his car so like i'm saying if it's that subtle of a difference and i'm not saying that's what happened but it's possible i I think the idea that you can't gamble on other sports in the team like again i get it but i think it's kind of weird to have that distinction but and the other part of this jeff is they didn't say okay they're betting on nfl games they didn't say they're betting on the lions they didn't say who they were betting on um and this goes from all the way back to pete rose so, you know was he betting on or against the reds while he was the manager because he, he only thinks bet on he, them to win Brian. right of course he did but except the games he didn't bet on them at all this, what, 2011, 2012, 2013, Roger Goodell was testifying, you know, that this was going to be Armageddon the day that ever you ever legalized gambling to the point. The NFL, I mean, talk about keeping gambling at arm's length to the point now where you have sports books inside stadiums and arenas. And yet you still have these 
rules, quote unquote, that you know players either know or don't yeah. know, should know, I suppose, because it's their livelihood. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you talk about a gray area. You've now because the money has told you how much the NFL owners are making hundreds of millions of dollars with these officially licensed partners. Of you know, oh, we couldn't have anything to do with that. We don't want anything, you know, gambling. We don't want to influence uh, the outcome. And, and that all sounded well and good until someone showed you, well, one, it's legal, and here's how much money every team can make off of this every season. Before we get there, Brian, before I dive into that, let me give you the odds brought to you by Caesars on who will be the first overall pick in this year's draft. No, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, incest- yeah. it's incestuous, and it has been brought into every aspect. And, and it, you're right, it's too much money for the NFL to turn away. And that's fine. Again, I think, though... I mean, is it? They're, they make billions of dollars. Billions and billions of dollars. It's all about growth. And so... You can, you, can, you, you can never stop growing, Brad. Well, apparently, there's never enough money because the hundreds of millions are dividing up among all the teams. It's just enough to get the owner's interest, even though you supposedly... Your, your product was sacrosanct less than a decade ago, or a decade ago. And by the way, you're... Your first overall pick odds, I heard on the ESPN national show this morning, a, a woman, uh, a, a betting expert, touting C.J. Stroud at 8-1 to one because your guy, Brush Young, is mm-hmm. now supposedly... Yeah, a lock. Like, a he's lock. A, a heavy favorite. And she said a scout told her that Bryce Young is Doug Flutie without the flair. Now... <laughs> Okay. okay, put that in your, you know, stand up on your draft table and advocate for that. Doug Flutie without the flair. And Carolina's no, sitting there. He's Flutie without the flakes. She said, she said, run to the window and get the eight to one on CJ Stroud right now and, and, and book it because uh. that guy looks the part, even though he's a quarterback from Ohio State. We still know there's Bear fans who question whether that was the right move to make, but. Justin Fields Run is to here the window, it. make that wager. The odds are too good to pass up yep. unless you play in the NFL. Then don't do don't it Don't do all. it. And not in the facility yeah, anyway. Certainly don't Maybe do it in the facility. Was he, any of them betting on the length of the uh, national anthem at the Super Bowl? And they just happened to be at the facility that day? Over uh, minute 55? The unanswerable questions. That's a great question, Brian. I don't know. 312-332-3776. We're getting set for the draft. We're talking about it with you here on ESPN 1000. Chase, Craig, everybody else. Hang with us. We'll get to you, I promise. I did want to mention, though, you brought it up. Thank you for the little plug here i will be live at yoxie's in wrigleyville 3710 north clark 3710 north clark in wrigleyville yoxie's i will be there with peggy kaczynski on thursday night draft night we'll be there for a watch party me and peggy there from seven to nine o'clock so come on out and join us if you are looking for a spot somewhere in the city on the near north side join us in wrigleyville we'll be there the wings are great the conversation is going to be wonderful and the pizza underrated Dude, we're going to have a blast. And I have to say, for me, draft night, it's one of my, you know, I, I'm just an NFL junkie. Uh, anybody who listens to the station knows that, especially when, you know, I have fantasy football. I'm in on every team. Yeah. So, of course, I'm going to be jacked to see what the Bears do. It is one of the most exciting drafts for the Bears in a long, long time. But I also love to see what other NFL teams are doing and how they're putting together their blueprints for what they hope to be a Super uh, Super Bowl contender down the road. So uh, I'm going to be there with Peggy Kaczynski. We'll be talking Bears. We'll be talking NFL at Yoxie's Thursday night from 7 to 9. So come on out and join us again. 3710 North Clark if you're in the era, area. All presented by Tullamore Dew, the fine mm. Irish whiskey. So we'll be there drinking some Tullamore Dew with you, hopefully, on Thursday night. 312-332-3776. Talk and draft with you here on ESPN. 
listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Mellor and Hanley with you till 11 o'clock here on ESPN 1000. White Sox coverage starts at 12 today with your pregame as the White Sox try and snap the Tampa Bay Rays home winning streak. They've won their 12 and 0 at home in this 2023 season. Lucas Giolito will be on the mound up against the highest paid player for the Rays, as Brian noted earlier. Zach Eflin, as he returns from the injured list. $11 million breaking the bank in Tampa because Tampa has a $74 million payroll, about $85 million less than the median team payroll in the league, <laughs> let alone the 300 plus million the Mets have spent. And I mean, all they are is the best team in baseball. Best team, and they've hit a home run in every single game. They've got a couple of walk offs against our beloved White Sox. And uh, they had 22,000 strong showing up for this historic start to the season because Tampa is not never going to be a baseball market, apparently. Hey, man, when they crack uh, 15,000... Wake me a, up, then I'll go. This is, this is just smoke and mirrors. I don't know. I'm not believing. I'm not buying. Boy, it's... Uh... It would be really good for the White Sox to get a win today because they sorely, sorely need one. And uh, it doesn't get any easier this week. They've got Toronto coming up after the Rays. And then, of course, uh, the Rays come back to town. So it is not going to be an easy schedule for the White Sox anytime soon. But we're talking NFL draft and, more importantly, what the Bears should do this Thursday night because uh, we're pretty pumped. We've been talking about it for a long time. Basically, since the season ended, we've been talking about the Bears' possibilities, and it is less than a week away. Thursday night, the NFL draft coming your way. Let's try Chase on the south side. He's on with Meller and Hanley. What's up, Chase? What's up, fellas? How you guys doing? You tell us, bud. What's going on, Chase? Happy Sunday. Nothing. Uh, Happy Sunday, you guys, too. Uh, Yeah, so, listen, I'm more a component of they have to address that D-line, though, Um, because if if they don't address this defensive line, whether it's through this draft or maybe the back end of free agency, I don't see this team really winning no more than, say, maybe four or five games. I'm sorry. I just – you cannot go – they cannot go into the season with this D-line. I mean, I'm more worried that – if you don't, because what hinders Justin's development, people aren't talking about it. If, if the D line isn't getting better, that's gonna that's gonna make him feel like he has to play hero ball, and we can't have that. Like we can't have another season where our defense line is not getting pressure on the quarterback, they're not getting any sacks, they're not stopping the run. I mean, if you can't stop the run and you can't get pressure on the quarterback, there's no way in the world you can win. That's why I believe they have to address the D line. This draft, they have to. There's no. We cannot go into this draft after this draft, and they haven't addressed that. There's no way. I mean, you cannot. You, you just have to address that position. Okay, I but, mean, but, but that said, Chase, you know, and Jeff Joniak said he's with you. Offense, defense, in the trenches. Three of the first four have to be linemen. Okay, however you you parse it out, and and you brought up Nolan Smith, uh, Jeff. But my question was, if Jalen Carter is gone and Tyree Wilson's gone five and six, no matter which way they go. And and, and, and if that scenario plays out... And we're, Will Anderson will be off the board. Yeah, so well off the board. Now are you overdrafting for need at number nine? Or do you move down feeling good that Nolan's sitting there 18, 17, wherever you feel you have to be securely 
position to, to get him because in most mock drafts, and mock drafts are like, you know what, rear ends, everyone's got one, um, cleaned it up a little bit there. I, you know, you have to move down. I think you you don't you don't reach at number nine. You cannot reach for a player at number nine. You have to have impact immediately. If you like a, a, the ceiling of a guy that you think is going to be a hell of a player, that's great. And and maybe your conviction is well, we believe in him, and we graded him out to 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 be an eight or nine, even though most people have him eighteen. You better be right. You better be right because you're not sitting here in the most important draft night for the Bears in forever. And in my world, reaching. How many times have we've seen GMs oh, reach their first draft in, in, in the first in seven, eight, nine? We, Brian, we lived it with Ryan Pace for, you know. For, and before for, him, Phil Emery. No, no, you're certainly right about that. And the one thing that drives me crazy, though, is, and, and I think Ryan Pace, because he's recent, too, it's easy for Bears fans to remember. And if you look at what he did, he always he fell in love with a player, yep. and he was convinced. He convinced himself time and time again that he couldn't let them pass him by because he was, you know, whatever he saw on the tape, he was so sure that he was going to be letting a generational Hall of Fame player go by if he didn't make the move. And it's great to applaud a guy and say, "Have conviction in your beliefs." I love that, but the reality of the NFL and drafting is it's much better to understand that you don't know what you don't know, right? And so a lot of this too, there's not enough emphasis put um, on how much development goes into a player, right? And that's where organizations are responsible for a lot as well. Sometimes you just don't have the infrastructure to get the best out of a player and the guy you're drafting, he may not live up to the hype that you believe he is because you just you, you haven't put him in a position to succeed. We saw it with Trubisky. We saw it with Leonard Floyd. We saw it Leonard with, Floyd for sure. I mean, that was with, a reach. I mean, West Virginia, the kid was he could never keep weight on. I was down in Bourbon A, and we were talking to Leonard Floyd as he was going to the uh, to lunch in the facility, and his phone went off. The alarm went off on the phone. And, and like, what's that? And he's like, oh, I have it set like every half hour I have to eat something. Because they told him, he, and he yeah. never was able to. I mean, that was a reach. You start, you go back to Curtis Enos. That was a reach. And they say, well, Penn State never told us honestly what they thought about the kid. They, they said it was the greatest thing. And the character issues came. They've reached, you can go back forever. They, when was the last time they got a legitimate top 10 pick who actually played out that, at, that, at that point? I mean, are we going back to, I mean, I know if he's not a top 10, or, you know, Erlacher. I'm trying to think of, like, the last real, like, home run that the Bears hit. You know top, what I mean? Top 10 now. I mean, yeah, like, well, if you're going to top 10, boy. I mean, Tommy Harris was 14. And just Cedric Benson, I don't think that was the guy at number four. Um, I mean, I guess we're going to have to cross our fingers and hope it's Justin Leonard Fields. Floyd at nine. Mitchell Trubisky, they gave away the farm. And again, Ryan Pace thought he was the smartest guy in the room. And yes. maybe there are four or five GMs that, but for the grace of God, there go I. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but, but he was the one who made the move. That's the point, though, that, that ultimately, uh, you know, to underline it again, is that you're you're probably you're not going to in all likelihood end up regretting much if you trade back and add some extra assets and then you trust your ability as a scout and hopefully you can find the best guy on the board when your pick is up and if you add some assets down the road you know what that gives you another shot another dart throw to hit hit that bullseye and you don't always know when you're like as a GM like you don't know when you're going to be right yeah you you're throughout the seven rounds. 
you may be right half the time. Sometimes that that right might happen in the fifth and sixth rounds, and you may be very happy with the players you picked. But it's the guys who are overconfident that they know the guy in the first round needs to be the guy. Those are the guys who end up getting themselves in trouble because they trade away well, valuable and, assets. And Jerry Angelo used to always look for, look for trade down and get out of the top ten because yeah. he, he you know. He always thought safety in numbers. And by the way, I misspoke because Kevin White was, you know, the, the, the West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. And, and that didn't work out too well But Leonard Floyd had the same thing. They wanted yeah. him to add weight, yeah. you know, coming from Georgia. That, that's yeah. But, I mean, Roquan Smith wasn't Ryan Pohl's guy, but he was selected eight overall, and he, he didn't want to pay him. Okay, so he, he basically he's telling me that he wouldn't have drafted him eight overall if you're not paying him in his prime. Well, do you remember, I don't know if, remember earlier this year, Matt Eberflus was asked, um, it, was in, it was in training camp, he was asked about drafting Roquan Smith. And I think the question was something along the lines of, you know, did you guys consider taking Roquan Smith in Indianapolis yeah. when you guys selected Quentin Nelson instead? And Eberflus was like almost stunned. Like, I, I'm not sure he knew exactly where Roquan Smith was taken in that draft because probably after the Colts took Nelson, he was like, they were on to yeah. the next group of players. And he was like, no, he's like, like off ball linebacker. No, Ballard wouldn't, wouldn't let that happen. No. In the top 10. So he, like, and he was almost surprised that someone oh, wait, came up with Bears wait, took Roquan yeah, Smith oh, that yeah, high. Yeah, help. So, like, yeah, I think if Ryan Poles ends up trading down. If he can find a willing partner, I think that will be ultimately a good move for the Bears because whoever you're again, it depends on who's on the board and are they willing to make the Jake Jalen Carter risk. I don't know. Um, if he's not there, I I'm all for moving down and getting someone like you mentioned, Nolan, or, or because I I think you're if you're taking one of those guys at nine, whatever your conviction is, God bless you. I I, I think you're overdrafting. And I've seen too much overdrafting in the top ten for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, if if one of those edge, you know, if Wilson is off the board, if Carter's off the board, at that point, I really do think you start to turn your attention to the tackle spots. You know, the offensive tackle as well. Again, I'm with Tom Thayer. I understand you need some talent on the on the defensive line, but that goes to your point. Don't overdraft no. the guy. Don't force Lucas Van Ness into that ninth spot because you're desperate for a lineman. Just take the best talent available. I think there's a lot of good, you know, tackles. Darnell Wright, somebody who all of a sudden sounds like he could be the first tackle taken. A lot of people love the tape they've seen from him. So there's a lot of possibility for the Bears, and because they've got some holes on both the offensive and defensive line, this is where you say, if we can add more draft assets, let's go ahead and do that and then end up taking the best player available. And trust your coaching staff to develop the said player. Let's try Craig, who's in Lansing, Michigan. Craig, you got a, a destination for Aaron Rodgers, possibly? I, I do. And, you know, I, I, I like the, the Bears talk, too. And I'll just say that I said the other day, I think they should go offense because you have a um, – and I'll, I'll get to Rodgers in just a second. I think you should go offense even if it's a boring left tackle. Just get your guy. Get somebody on offense because you just saw, you know, a great defense give up 38 points in the Super Bowl. You got a playmaker like Justin Fields. Now get get him a little bit more, um, and, and they could, you know, I agree. I think I heard one of you guys say that that division isn't that, uh, you know, it's up for grabs the next few years. I, I believe that true it is true. Um, now Rogers, what if he ended up in Atlanta? I mean, Tampa can't afford anybody, and to me, as attractive as Godwin and, and, and Mike Evans are. I'm just as attracted if I'm Rodgers to Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I mean, and if you look at that team versus, say, the Jets, they were both 7-10 and 10 last yep. year. Uh, and so, um, well, maybe the Jets were 8-9. I can't remember. They were very close. But I know Atlanta was 7-10, and 10, a pretty good team. 
they went out and signed some guys on defense. Um, you're looking at two guys on the line that have been to a Pro Bowl before. Uh, uh, Chris Winstrom went last year, and uh, forget the other guy's name, but they got they got a couple young guys on the line. They've got everything that he would want, and th- and I believe he has a much better chance winning the division against Tampa, Carolina, and New Orleans than he would ever have uh, against the Dolphins and the Bills. And don't and that's completely discounting um, as everybody's doing. Bill Belichick's ability to put a good football team on the field this year. So I just, I don't, I, I never did like his, his Jets destination. Um, and, and I never did think he was going to be the savior they think he's going to be. But in Atlanta, he could win that division. So that's a little bit of, a, I think it's a different conversation there, Craig. And be careful. Make sure you don't, you don't gamble in team facilities. I know you clearly work for the Atlanta Falcons the way he's promoting. Say hello to Ryan Pace for us. Uh, man, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Falcons as a destination, that, that seems like that's just way out of left field just because it's a winnable division. I, don't, I think when you're a professional athlete, Brian, you're not always ultimately concerned about you're the in your, division. You're you in think, your final act as yeah. Aaron Rodgers going uh-huh. to the Hall of Fame. The one thing you have are, are not enough Super Bowl appearances, let alone wins, right? Mm-hmm. I hear if you can make it in New York, if you make it there, you can make it anywhere. I think the, the allure is doing it on the big stage and under the bright lights of New York, and being the guy that puts a team on his back in his final chapter as an NFL Hall of Fame quarterback and saying, watch me, I'm dragging you to not only the playoffs, we're going to be in the conversation in the next couple of years to win a Super Bowl, and I'll be out, and then I can take my ball. And not necessarily that this is the primary motivation, but what better feather in his cap than to say, you know what? You know that Brett Favre playbook he ran? Well, I did it, and then I actually took the Jets even farther than he did. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you know, he's, because no matter what he wants, he, there's nothing, he, he's always going to be, you know, talked about with Brett Favre. Yep. That's the reality of his situation, whether he likes it or, or not. So, you know, why not, uh, why not lean into it and actually, you know, take the Jets deeper? It's, Just don't, don't be taking any pictures with your cell phone that is when you're true. in New York with yes. like Brett Favre. Did. Yes. Don't and, be doing um, that. And don't steal money from your hometown state. Well, there's that. Yeah, we need a volleyball facility. I'll help. 312-332-3776. He's Hanley. I'm Meller. Back to wrap things up on ESPN 1000. Live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. up here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. All right, so Bears fans, what about possibly trading down? Is that even feasible? Todd McShay talked about the rumors about the Bears maybe trading down with the Houston Texans. It wouldn't shock me, too. I know know they've already made the one move to nine, but you've got Houston sitting there at 12, and a lot of rumors that they're not going to take a quarterback at that number two spot. They pick again at 12. Tennessee's at 11. If Houston doesn't take a quarterback and one of the quarterbacks is still on the board at, you know, when they get to 9, 10, that range, they could be a team that tries to get up ahead of Tennessee to go get that quarterback. So moving down a couple more spots and, and getting, you know, maybe Skaronsky at, at, at that 12 spot or one of the three other tackles that we've talked about, Broderick Jones from Georgia, Paris Johnson from Ohio State, or Darnell Wright in Tennessee, that all are going to go in that range of, like I said, 10 to 17. 
might might be a good solution as well. That's Todd McShay with Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week talking about a trade down. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you know, Skarensky probably still be there. Um, again, I don't. I'd move even further down if I'm looking for one of those uh, defensive tackles. If uh, Carter and Tyree are off the board. Um, but that's just me. Uh, but it makes sense if, if you're Houston to to position yourself to get a um, a quarterback, right, and and not be in the top six, seven to, in order to do so. And at least uh, the majority of Bears fans, based on our web poll, would be more than happy to see that. Fifty five percent would like the Bears to trade down if possible. That is more than, of course, the forty two percent that would like to see them keep the number nine. Uh, selection and three percent only three percent would like to see the bears trade up yeah that would be the uh, the shocker but it's certainly an option and and you know, we've seen uh we've seen shock on draft uh, draft days before not surprising to me only surprising in terms of the actual percentage the white Sox are receiving brian asked which team will have the better record at the end of the season 89% say the Cubs will. 11% say the Sox will. Right now, it feels and if like you asked a that question a month task. ago on the eve of the season, Ooh. it would have been the other way around. I mean, those yeah. percentages, you might not, 11% of Cub fans wouldn't have thought they were going to have a better record. Again, it's early, yep. but it's not that early. The White Sox take their 7-14 record up against Tampa Bay. They try and end the Tampa Bay Rays' undefeated streak at home right now. They are 12-0 and on the season, a league best 18 and 3 it'll be lucas giolito up against zach eflin the pregame coverage will come your way at noon today first pitch at 12:40 and the cubs will try and get a split against the dodgers at wrigley field today clayton kershaw up against marcus stroman good pitching match there Brian. yeah not only that uh, cub fans Sox fans usually if you're friends you make that bet every year which team's going to have uh, the better record mm-hmm. and you bet lunch dinner case of beer whatever yep 50 bucks would you make that bet today if you're a Sox fan? <laughs> do you still do you have enough faith? I need that, some that, real odds. Yeah, right. But you said it. What was that? To be 85 wins, they have to go 15 over 500 from rest, here on out? Yep, the rest of the way. That is a tall order. That is not, not good if you're a White Sox fan. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jeff Meller. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next Sunday to recap the draft, no doubt about it. Draft on Thursday. Don't forget, I'll be at Yoxie's in Wrigleyville from 79 with Peggy Kaczynski. So come out and say hello. Thanks to Jeff Joniak and Kendra Smith. Thanks to you, Brian. I'll talk to you next Sunday. We'll see you.